space, final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're here to talk about the latest episode of Lower Decks. We'll always have Tom Paris, and unfortunately, the rabbit hole that led us down this week was to talk about Threshold from Voyager, which I'm sure I don't have to tell anyone is... One of the most notorious, shall we say? One of the most hated? Well, well it's... To be fair, this episode of Lower Decks has answered a question because for a number of years it's been argued that Threshold isn't actually canon. That, that's true, actually, yeah. I They've remember. tried to say that it's not canon, but now it's in, mentioned in Lower Decks, it is officially now canon. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that, I, remember, I can't remember which um, producer it was. It might have been Rick Berman or whatever, but I remember yeah. at the time them saying, yeah, this is the only episode we don't consider canon. Yeah, but so it's, it's definitely canon now. It is, it is. It's now being referred to itself within the universe. Yep. We've all got to live with it. Um, anyway, before we get on to those, we've got a little bit of Star Trek news. We're expecting a huge amount of Star Trek news next week, but this week we've just got a few little bits here and there. Yeah, the, well, they announced, didn't they, um, just after we went off air again last week, uh, Star Trek Day is going to be next Wednesday. Or it's going to be next Wednesday if you're in the United States and Canada. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it, it, what is it? It starts at five thirty PM Pacific time. So, like, we're in the UK. So, for us, it's going to be one thirty in the mor Thursday morning. Yep. Uh, um, you can all do the maths on your own time zones. Uh, what will it be? Two thirty UTC. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we're going. So what we're doing next week? Uh, which it'll mean the podcast will be out a day late, the live broadcast that we do on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, that's going to be a day late as well because we're hoping and we're expecting that we're finally going to get the Strange New Worlds trailer, so we'll have plenty to talk about. Yeah. Even if we don't get the trailer, we're sure there's going to be enough news coming out of it to... Uh, for us to cover in a bit more depth than we usually do. So next episode is going to be the latest episode of Lower Decks and then coverage of whatever goes down on Star Trek Day. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be, we'll be looking at Stranger Worlds trailer finally. Yes, I really hope so. And, and yeah, even we've, if made, not... we've made a lot of predictions on when the Strange New World trailer is going to drop. And we're making another that'll be yeah. next week. We've got to be right one time. Uh, unless <laughs> unless they just don't do a trailer. We surely we've got a we've we've got to drop lucky at some point and get it right. Yeah. But um uh, we did get a surprise as well, didn't we? Um, was it yesterday? Out of the blue they've dropped um, the the opening sequence for Prodigy. Yeah, and it I liked it. I think the the animation I, I looked did. brilliant. Uh, and yeah, uh, 
It is on our Facebook group, if anybody wants to go yeah. watch it. Uh, sort of undenied about it today, I did. And it was sort of like, last time we did a tr- put a trailer up, we got a copyright strike, so we've just not gone No, gone we're not. There this and there's not a huge amount to break down in it in terms of the visuals. Like, the it, it's a pretty cool... Like, the ship looks awesome. And it, it looks like it's a bit like Voyager. It looks like the nacelles move. It looks like they move from yeah. an upwards position to like a downwards. Down, yeah. Going up. So that's really interesting. And it, it shows you a bit of the characters. It's sort of a kind of an abstract thing where the ship's flying round these huge versions of the characters and yeah. you get little glimpses of them here and there. And it, and it's a good tune as well. It's... um. It, I mean, I can't remember it now, so claiming that it's memorable it, doesn't make a lot of sense. It did have little bits of original... You could hear the original series sort of yes. coming through in it, little bits of it, but it seemed to have a bit more of a melody than certainly than Picard has. I mean, that, that one, I think, is yeah. the, the weakest of the theme tunes we've had, but it's much more of a engaging, for want of a better, and if you'll pardon the pun, theme tune than than some of the ones we've had. So, yeah, it's look, everything's looking good with that so far. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then we had a little bit of bad news, didn't we? Um, it, it's not like expected, but uh, for American and Canadian listeners, um, for the end of September, you're going to lose... Was it the original series Voyager and Enterprise from Netflix? Yeah, that's. I'm hoping we don't get that over here, um, because well, we know. Par- I, I think once we have access to Paramount Plus yeah. over here, it'll come. They're yeah, going to want all. They want all the properties back under the old roof. They do, but it, it depends how long they've done these arrangements with Netflix and Amazon for, but remains well, to be well, seen. They're not cancelling anything, are they? They're waiting until licences run yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Not That's what I mean, so it depends how like, long Netflix yeah, has paid it's up like for. I was looking through the Netflix thing, and it, it's amazing how many Fox movies and shows yes, yes. are ending on Netflix. Yeah, they're definitely trying to bulk out that star on Disney+. Plus. And that's obviously going to Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So, that's about it for news for this week. But as we say, we're expecting a load more news to talk about next week. And fingers crossed on that new front, uh, Strange New Worlds trailer. But we've got a new episode to talk about. We'll always have Tom Paris from Lower Decks. I thought another really good fun episode, this one. I'm really yeah. liking what they're doing this season with Lower Decks. Yeah, uh, I am. Like, my only, as I, we spoke about uh, last week, my only complaint so far is overuse, overuse of uh, the puns with um, mm. Daymok. But yeah, we don't get a lot from Kayshawn this week because the big revelation is that Shax is back and um, we're going to talk about that a little bit as we go along. But So Boimler's back on the ship then, which is how we left it last time. And I like this running joke that they've got that none of his security codes have been updated. So nothing's yeah. working at all. Like he's trying to get the replicator work and he ends up with a bonsai tree. Yeah, like I was so I've been thinking about this all week, and it's sort of like, is this because 
This is the copy of uh, Boimler that we've got back. Ah, uh, maybe. But and the computer can recognise that it's the copy. But or is it because he's active on the Titan? Ah, uh, maybe, yeah. And it sort of can't work out that he's in two places. Yeah, housing. The yeah, they've not updated it to put a new Boimler in the system. But then. Yeah. But then you'd think since the other one changed his name, he should be the one who's counted as the copy and he has yeah. to have a new account set up and everything. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I like that we get a little cameo from this Andorian officer again who we know doesn't like Mariner for some reason, but she's getting pissed Mariner off. Mariner doesn't like her. <laughs> yeah, she's getting pissed off with Boimler here as well. So I like that the... The dropping her in is just... She seems to be someone who nobody gets on with. She doesn't like anybody. She's always pissed off about something. And I wonder if that's going to come to a head at some point or whether it's just going to be that she's always there moaning about something in the background. And either way, I'm happy with it. I quite like that they've got this character who's sort of the antithesis of your typical Star Trek optimistic character. It's like, no, we've got this one who just hates everything. <laughs> so I'm enjoying her so far. And I like how Mariner comes up and goes, are we doing sci-fi stuff today? That's sort of a greeting to everybody. And we, we talked about this in Picard when um, Girati was looking at Picard's book collection and Picard said, oh, I've never been a big fan of sci-fi. And it's interesting to think of what what does the concept of sci-fi mean to these characters who live in a world where everything's sci-fi to us? Like, yeah. h- how much crazier would a sci-fi novel have to be well, instead of them just going... Because, like, well, you can look back and sort of look at early sci-fi, uh, Jules Verne, mm. with his 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, we still love watching the Jules Verne story. Oh, yeah, we do. Story. And I... uh, there's the Frankenstein stories, so, and Dracula. Yeah, but I'm wondering because, so, like, when we define something as science fiction, where it's something that's taking science and extrapolating it to an extent yeah. that we don't have access to now. So, like, Frankenstein would still fall into that, so we can't reanimate corpses or that we know of. Well, oh, can we? <laughs> okay, exactly. So, you know, that would still be sci-fi, but in Star Trek, it's like if someone wrote a book about time travel, you'd just go, oh, this is just a, a fiction novel. You know, that's not science fiction. Yeah. Everybody does it all the time. So science fiction would have to be something really out there for in Star Trek time to be science fiction. I assume it's uh, travelling to uh, different galaxies. The other galaxies, yeah. So I assume that it's different galaxies and different types of life. Yeah, if you set stuff in the Andromeda galaxy, it's sci-fi. If you set it in the Milky Way, it's just contemporary fiction. And you can imagine like these people at university in the Star Trek time studying, because I used to hate it when we did contemporary fiction at my uni. We're like, oh, here we go. And it was, you know, they were dull, like you know, the King, the Poisonwood Bible, and you know, don't don't at me, anyone. I know that the Poisonwood Bible is a modern classic and it's respected and all this, but it's hard work. So, but whereas I did a unit on um, 
American genre fiction and got to read Carrie and do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep and stuff like that. And I was like, this yeah. is the best unit going. But I imagine if you're at Star Trek, like we're reading some contemporary fiction about time travel. Ah, oh, boring. <laughs> so it's I don't a history know. Book. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, this is just this is just kitchen sink drama. You know, this is like watching EastEnders or yeah. something. Uh, but Shax is alive, so we we spotted him in the trailer. So we're we're giving ourselves a pat on the back for that. We we knew he was coming. We talked about is it a flashback? What's going on? <clears throat> no, he's just alive, and that's the one of the mysteries of the the episode. And I love the way they play with it, and they talk about well. You know, the the lower decks never find out how the the yeah, main uh, crew members come uh, back. But I like how they go, oh, bridge officers are always coming back yeah. to life. And, uh, and when you think about it, we have seen this a lot through yeah, Star Trek. But <laughs> because I thought about it at first, and I thought, well, there's only Spock, really. But then you think about, no, how many episodes has someone died for a few minutes and come back? Or... You know, being uh, in a transporter accident. Yeah, exactly. Um, Tom Paris in the next episode exactly. that we're actually looking at. Him, and Harry Kim's died a couple of times and come back. And yeah. So, yeah, this does happen all the time. It's just that there's not a big thing made of it and the bridge crew know what's happened. But, yeah, can you imagine being on the ship and having a rumour going around like, did you hear that Neelix died last week and nobody's telling us what's actually, you know. Yeah. And this is exactly what we're doing with Shax, which is just brilliant. And then on the other side of it, we've got Boimler's really giddy that he's going to be meeting Tom Paris. And I love how they do a joke about the abbreviations, like he's talking about Voy. And it's yeah. like, oh, why do you say that? It, it, it saves time? No, it doesn't. And then she goes, you know what? That does save time, same Voy. The thing is, though, that we do, like, the abbreviation that we all have for it is S-T-V-O-Y. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and they've, I think the lower decks one is LDS, which is a bit of an in-joke because you've got that bit in Star Trek Four where Kirk says, I think he did too much LDS. Yeah. So I think that's a bit of a joke. But, yeah, so I like that we're, we're being a bit metatextual and having that sort of joke going on. And then that... that sort of metatextual idea carries on even further that we're guilty of this, we'll hold his hands up, we've said it's always Boimler and Mariner and it's always Tendy and Rutherford, let's mix it up. And the show is obviously aware of this because they're, they're you know, hanging a lampshade on it this episode by saying like, oh, you're always with him and I'm always with him and this is the first time we've been on a mission together, why don't we go on more missions and let's learn more about each other? So it's obviously that they are listening to the fan feedback and they're addressing it in a way that is having a bit of fun with the idea. And they're getting yeah, the best. It, it, like, the nice thing about Lower Decks is Lower Decks takes the, takes the mickey out of the other shows, but it does it in a loving way. But it's also not scared to take the mickey out of itself. No, exactly. And, you know, well, what? This is the 13th episode of Lower Decks. And already they're comfortable enough to be poking fun at themselves with it and addressing yeah. what some of the shortcomings of it have been and doing it in a way that's fun. And they get to have the cake and eat it because they are giving us a Tendi and Mariner storyline, but they're also 
taking the piss out of us, really, for having a go at it, you know, for not doing that. So, you know, well played, Mike McMahon. Yeah, yeah you've got us banged to rights, but you're also addressing the criticism as well. So, well done. I like here as well that we get a reference to Klingon Acid Punk, which... No, doesn't... Acid... Klingon's been into doing Acid Punk make more sense than this warrior race all being into opera. Exactly, and that's the thing. We only ever associate Klingons with Klingon opera. That's all we've ever heard about. And, of course, they'd have different genres of music, like... And I, yeah, but, like... We know about the angry race. We know about yeah. the warrior race. Playing angry music makes a lot more sense than the opera. Of course it does. And, 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 and oh yeah, we wrote Shakespeare and. Right. Yeah. No, I reckon Klingon novels would be really trashy, violent stuff. Like I mean, I, I yeah. can't even think. Maybe like Jack Reacher or something would be uh, <laughs> your Klingon novels. Uh, but yeah, Klingon Acid Punk's great. I reckon Alexander was into Klingon Emo. Like, I bet he listened to yeah, all them songs about how they hate the dad. Like, like it's not going to be long, is it, till there's a tribute band out there doing as- Klingon Acid Punk at some of these conventions. Oh, definitely. I'm up for that. Yeah, we'll have a ticket yeah, to that I one. I think that's something we've got to look forward to yeah. when... The convention scene properly opens up again. Yeah, Klingon. In fact, if any <laughs> of us had any musical talent, we could start that band, but we don't, so we shan't. Um, yeah, that's a big what if. <laughs> yes. But that's Marvel Universe, and we're not talking about the Marvel Universe. Very true. Um, so Mariner drops that... We've seen a flashback with a near DS9 before, but she drops that she served on DS9 at the same time as yeah. Worf. Which means that she was definitely on DS9 during the run of the show, because yeah. Worf leaves to be the ambassador at the end, so Mariner's yeah, somewhere... Which means that she was on DS9 for the Dominion War. So when we get back to doing our Dominion War, we'll look and see if there's any extras who could be Mariner, and yeah. then we'll decide that that's our headcanon, that that's Mariner somewhere in the background. Yeah. Like, there's got to be someone, aren't there, that keeps cropping up? Yeah. And she sort of talks that she gets on... She makes it sound like she gets on with what? Yeah, exactly. So, yes, we'll have Mariner Watch now when we when we do our yeah. Deep Space Nines. And I love the, the thing with Dr. Tana, and it's the... They've got to go get this artefact, and it turns out... Actually, they go, oh, this is a, a fertility thing. So we're getting a lot of these. We're having a acacian fertility statue. We've had Kalos's fornication helmet. We're getting yeah. a lot of Star Trek sex toys being put out there, effectively, in these last <laughs> couple of episodes. I like, I like that, how Dr. Tandy uh, explains why she said in Tandy, though, because I need a junior officer who won't ask questions. Yeah. Just go do what I tell them. <laughs> Well, that's it. Tendy's, yeah. I mean, we find out she's got a bit more of a wild side in this episode than we've seen before. And we also get them playing Dom Jot, which is good fun, with the Norsicans. And yeah. Dom Jot, I think, if we had to think of an Earth game, it looks closest to Bar Billiards to me. Yeah, 
Definitely bar billiards. Yeah, which bar billiards is it? You don't see many bar billiards tables very often, but it's a great pub game. I don't understand really why not. It's more of a southern thing. It's so southern England thing rather than a yeah. where in the north. But yeah, I like a bit of bar billiards. Very expensive. I looked at how much it was to buy a table and, oh, they're a fortune. Anyway, um, so they have the Norsicans and Domjot and everything. And then, meanwhile, Boimler's ended up crawling through the Jeffreys tubes. And this is a very good visual gag that he ends up looking like a Kazon. But you don't realise that's what they're doing until right at the end when Tom Paris yeah. realises what it is. It, it's very, very well I, done. Like, I don't know if you noticed, like, the plate that he's carrying on yeah. the thumbnail that I've done for this week is actually from the real plate that's been released. Oh, is it? Yeah. I haven't taken it from the animation. That's the actual Excellent. real plate that I've put on the thumbnail. <laughs> Brilliant. But you can see that the van it matches the animation. Yeah. No, I mean they're gonna sell like hotcakes, aren't they? Everyone's gonna want one now. But um, yeah. yeah, I love the whole thing about how he's a big fan of Tom Paris and everything. And uh, I like when Tom goes onto the bridge and they say, Oh, don't take us to the Delta Quadrant. And I bet Tom thinks, Oh, I haven't heard that before. I bet he gets that wherever he yeah. goes now. Everything. And he, it's him engaging the engines which messes Boimler up because you have that bit where he's like, okay, um, you know, as long as nobody switches it on and there's no reason to, and then welcome to the bridge, Mr. Paris, and off they go. <laughs> yeah, really well set up and everything. Um, meanwhile, Rutherford is having... He's got this thing about, I want to know how Shax came back, and he has that weird trippy dream where it's got... Uh, he's a bog and he's from the mirror universe and he's coming and he, back. He's being brought back by microscopic people, which is a reference to T8, the animated scene. Yes. Scene. He's got a mini Dyson sphere and all of this stuff yeah. going on and everything. And I love when he sort of confronts him about it. And there's that bit where he's going to ask, but then the other guy asks and it's, ooh. And then when he finally gets... Well, he gets the other guy gets demoted out of engineering for asking. Exactly. And then when he does finally get the answer, it's this brilliantly surreal thing where he starts off and goes, well, first, you must know about the Black Mountain. And obviously we don't get any more of it other than that. But it reminds me a little bit of when that guy ascended in season one and he was talking about the hamster that was looking at him. It... There's this weird... No, it's the koala. The koala, the sorry. Koala. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of this thing that Lower Decks has got, that the, the metaphysical side of Star Trek is really weird. And they're just throwing out these totally abstract, surreal images, which yeah, well, I'm a fan of not, it. They're not trying to step on any toes, either by saying anything definitive or... No. ...contradicting anything. So they're making it all very surreal. Yeah, and, you know, if you want to fit this in your head canon or whatever, 
the Black Mountain might be something from Bajoran mythology. So yep. Strax's understanding, or Shaq's, sorry, understanding of how he came back from the dead probably involves whatever... Well, the Black Mountain could be the mountain ridge where, uh, that we saw in um, What You Leave Behind, where yeah. she still goes to fight in the fight. The parades, exactly. So his interpretation of how he came back probably draws on the mythology, the spirituality of his own people. So, you know, I'm sure there's people out there who are worried that this is going to break the Star Trek universe by implying that there's this Black Mountain after death. I don't think it does. I think I think it's really funny, but I think this is just Shaxi's take on what's happened to him. Like, you've got to get through the Black Mountain. Having said that, if they do an episode set in the afterlife with a quest for the Black Mountains, I am absolutely up for that. I'm for it, but I don't think they will. I don't, I don't think, think they will. Go, I don't think they'll go there because you you risk um, stepping on too many toes for people. Yeah. You you're upsetting too many people with religious backgrounds, various religions. Yes, I don't... If you go there in too specific a way and say, yeah. it's this or it's that, when, while you keep it surreal and you don't actually say anything, you can get away with... Yeah, I don't think Star Trek will ever present a definitive thesis on what the afterlife is. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm happy with the Black Mountain for now. Uh, Mariner and Tendi then. So we find out that Mar uh, Tendi used to be part of this Orion thing and she, what's she called? The Queen of something. She's a, mit she's a mistress of the um, Western Constellation. That's it. So, yeah, she's had a, a lot more of a checkered past than we originally thought well, she had. Well, this, well, the Orion women run the so Orion Society. They're the ones who are actually in charge of everything. Yeah. And Which is well established in Star Trek canon, so it makes sense that she's got some. Oh title yeah, and it's just surprising that her particularly has come from this background, but it's a good one. Well, yeah, well, I like I like this because she got Tandy all the way through. She's trying to be a good Starfleet officer mm -hmm. and all that, and you get that she she wants to be Starfleet. She she can be in Orion. But she wants to be the first successful Orion. Yeah, that's it. She's she's obviously good at being an Orion pirate, but um, yeah, yeah, she wants something different. A bit like Nog, you know, could have been a decent yeah. Ferengi, but um, wanted to be in Starfleet. And yeah, there's some like they do an obvious pirate joke where he's act like a pirate, which I think. He's a bit of a lame joke having to go into RR and all this business, but then they follow it up with a really good joke where he questions it. And he's, Why are you talking like that? And they show it's pheromone allergies, and the guy's like, Yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, so. <laughs> so, I, you know, I don't. I think they probably fed us the lame joke to set up that quite funny a response to it. Um. Then, oh, the, the end to the, the story with the whole cat thing and everything. I like that she just turns into a cat. She's like, no, I just wanted the box. And it's just... I like how... I like how... Because um, Tandy decides to drop the statue and save Mariner. Because they are friends, even though they've been bickering at each other yeah, at yeah. this point. 
that you know nothing about me and you know nothing about me and mm. like you've known me a year how didn't you even know my name <laughs> yeah true but like the made friends so Marina decides that she'll take the blame for the statue being smashed yeah by dragging the shuttle into the ship yeah, and that's brilliant. I, I just look how it's ramming speed and it hits and it just goes dink. Yeah, it just dinks <laughs> off and then you get the damage report, nothing. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And then the doctor just rolls about in the box like a cat, <laughs> which she's a cat, so that's fair enough. But yeah. I love how she's like popping her head out of it and... Big eyes and... <laughs> yeah, really, really good fun. And... Um, we end up, obviously, with Mariner in the brig again, which seems to be... I wouldn't be surprised if every episode this season ends with Mariner in the brig again. Yeah. Oh, yeah she's, like, she's quite comfortable there, isn't she? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've had two like, out of three episodes. Nice part, like we, have had, we do get a nice part where uh, Boimler drops, in, drops into the bridge from above. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we have Tom Paris turns around, and this is where it all pays off. The, how he's been yeah, yeah. The message, just... Keys on! <laughs> dives on him. This is how we kick ass in the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, you can tell Robert Duncan McNeil's having good fun reprising Tom Paris here. It's, yeah, really good. Good use of a cameo. And also, the first time, well, almost the first time, we, we had Admiral Janeway have a very brief cameo in Nemesis, and obviously we've seen Seven in... Picard, but to actually see one of the Voyager crew people, what they're doing after they get back to the Alpha Quadrant, like we've seen so yeah, little like, of that. And like, it's, it also breaks. This shows that he's he's remained in Starfleet. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Which goes against Endgame because Endgame showed that he'd left Starfleet to become an author. Oh yeah, but that was the alternative future. Yeah, and then it all got changed. They do mention though that he's the creator of Fairhaven, as if Fairhaven's yeah, so, become like, a famous hologram. A well-used program now. <laughs> which I can't imagine why, but fair enough. If Tom's done all right with it, good on him. Yeah, I'd have been happy if the doll if people had uh, gone. He he's the writer of Captain Proton. Well, they do, they do mention Captain Proton. I think he says the creator of Fairhaven, Captain Proton himself, or something. Yeah. So at least he's getting credit for the the fun holodeck stuff that he did, not just the the awful, awful, <laughs> awful one. Which we will get to that at some point. Um, well, we have said that we're going to do that when we can get together and we're going to do it drunk. <laughs> yes, we're definitely going to do a, an outside broadcast from a pub or something when we do Fairhaven. Yeah. But speaking of terrible Voyager episodes then, all of this has led us, the throwaway reference to Tom being a salamander has led us finally to Threshold, which is, I mean, as we said at the top of the show... It is notorious. It, it's known as one of the worst episodes of Star Trek ever, if not the worst. I don't think that's entirely fair. I don't think that's. I don't think that's fair. Like, I've rewatched it twice this last week since we decided that we were going to do Threshold, and I've come to the conclusion that 
the first half of Threshold is actually a really good episode. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I I actually and, and it's and it's like the lost away. Yeah. I, or, or, or it's um it's like that game that you play where you have a line on. Yeah, you where you fold the paper you the and next word, the next line or the next word into this sentence. And it's almost like they've done that and it's almost like, right, we we've written the first half, we've done the first half of the script. Yeah. We're gonna change writers, but all we're gonna show him is the last two lines before he takes over and see where it goes. Because yeah, you're right, the first half of the episode is a really interesting idea of what all how do we get to warp 10 is it possible can we do this and it's a it's a good scientific sort of almost scientific mystery episode yeah and i actually wrote down the exact time stamp when it all starts to go wrong which is 17 minutes 59 seconds which is where tom takes a sip of his coffee and (laughs) something's wrong with it and yeah. it's from that point that they obviously decided, right, we're going to go down the salamander route. Yeah. And like you yeah. said, they've yeah. obviously, or it feels like they've gone, right, I've got an idea for an episode. It's about Tom Paris breaking the Warp 10 barrier. And then somebody else has gone, I've got an idea for an episode, and it's about Tom Paris turning into a salamander. And for some reason, they've gone, you know what, let's... Let's put those two episodes they, they, together. Them two ideas, that's a marriage made in heaven. Yeah. Just like uh, Half Salamander Tom and Catherine Janeway. Yeah. Well, exactly, which, I mean, oh, we'll get there. But Did you like the little love hearts I added? Oh, yeah, on the yeah the thumbnail. <laughs> yeah, we got the love hearts on that. I mean, it, it does just get sillier and sillier. But... Yeah, like we, we knew we were going to have fun with this episode, and that... I started when I did the thumbnail. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, before it all gets too silly then, we start off and Tom's doing a transwarp experiment. It doesn't work, and we're on the holodeck. I wanted to mention this here because it we don't seem to see the holodeck grid as much in Voyager as we do in TNG. And I really don't like it. I think... The TNG one looks so much cooler and sleeker, whereas this yeah. looks really tacky, like you've got all the metal and stuff hanging. I, I the just TNG don't... One, the, the TNG one looks like it's already projecting. Mm, maybe, yeah. It's already a, a grid, isn't it? Uh, it could be. Never, never thought of that. And, and this one looks like it just goes down to the basics. And I think that's the power-saving thing. That the door, like I think on the Enterprise Day, they had the power, so like the holodecks were powered up at all times, so right. they had that that grid that you walked into and started building inside. Okay, maybe and that's actually part of the projection already. But I think Voyager in power saves that it goes down to what the actual what is actually there, the projectors. Go on, then. I'll, I'll give you that, but it doesn't look as good. I think it looks much better it in TNG. It doesn't look as good, but it actually makes a lot more sense that you can see that there's all the projectors all over the walls and everything. I suppose, yeah, okay. Um, so, Neelix, then, offers to help with the Warp 10 experiment. And we've, we've come across this before, where... 
Neelix will just turn up and go, oh, is there anything I can do to help? And the answer is always, no, Neelix, there's not. You're a chef. If we've got a problem with food or yeah. we, we've got a morale problem or whatever, then fine. But no. <laughs> but the old, and yeah. at least We're though, working on a, a complex warp thing. Do you understand quantum warp theory? No, but I'm a quick study. What? Yeah, no, you're not that quick, son. And at least Bilana looks annoyed about it. Like, Bilana's just yeah. like, I wish he'd piss off and we could get on with it. So fair play to him there. What it does, though, is it allows them to explain to Neelix so that the audience can get brought up to date. And the way they explain Warp 10, it's... It's pretty much the infinite improbability drive from Hitchhiker's yeah. Guide to the Galaxy. That's exactly what it is. Um, well, so, if you look at warp graphs, why warp 10 is impossible is because it's infinite speed. Yeah, exactly. So you, you're everywhere all and, at once. If you're going at infinite speed, you're going to be everywhere at once. Yeah. And then they, they get the experiment approved, which is all well and good. And then there's this... Weird scene with Janeway goes to see Tom, and for some reason he's rocking a dressing gown. He's just there, and he well, well, she's obviously decided like he's got this important flight. I'm going to go disturb you in the middle of the night. Yeah, true. And he's it, quite a good character moment. Like there's a bit of back and forth on it, and it's. You know, we're going to get Harry to do it because you've got this imbalance, but Tom... Yeah, there's of... a 2%, 2% chance you could be injured. Yeah, and Tom's willing to do it, and they they put all... You know, they, they, there's a bit of, is he going to let him do it? And he does one of, one of his speeches, which convinces him. And, uh, you know, again, we get this in Star Trek a lot, where it's like, you can't do this, but I'm the only one who can do this. I have to do this. And then the captain always backs down and goes, okay, you're the one to... But it's pretty good, you know, character stuff and everything for Tom. Yeah. Um, the thing that gets me about, about this is, like, so have they done the... They've got the transwarp drive. Where did they get that from? Mm. Or have they just got plans on board and they can replicate one from... The Excelsior. Yeah, I think the implication is that Tom's designed this in his spare time, you know, and, yeah, it's yeah. it's a bit far-fetched. Like, we've discovered a, a new type of dilithium. Yeah. So, and why did they do it on a shuttle? Because the shuttle's only got little warp engines, and we know shuttles can't go as fast as... You know, the the starships yeah. anyway. But I suppose the explanation for that is, well, it's this new type of dilithium, so they can do... Yeah, and the changed the alloy of the warp themselves something. already. Yeah, something like that. And I like that the shuttle's called Cochrane. I wonder if they renamed it specially for this mission, like, you know, you're going to do something that'll put you in the history. So, you know, let's call it Cochrane because... I'm sure that they've used the shuttle Cochrane a few times. Uh, maybe the then. So maybe they just decided, oh, well, that's... We're doing a Warp 10 experiment. It'd be appropriate yeah. to do it in uh, the Cochrane. Yeah, like... What is it? On, I don't know about the shuttles on... 
the TNG Enterprise, but on TOS there were sort of uh, famous scientists or astronomers. Mm. Yeah. Uh, DS9, it's Rivers. Yeah. On In Lower Decks, it's um, National Park. Yes, you're right. Uh, and and there's like oh what was the name of the shuttle that they had this week? But that's actually a national park in California. All right. And the Cerritos of the California class. Yes. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Um. So Tom does the the test then, and he hits warp ten, and the surprise that they can't find him on the sensors. Like, well, of course you can't. And that's the loop radio contact. Like he's literally gone faster than anyone's ever. He could be anywhere in the universe. It, you'd yeah. be lucky if you did have him on sensors. Um, but when they do find him, then I like how the doctor wakes him up by giving him a slap. That's all. You know. Well, yeah. Can you wake him up? Okay. Wake up. Wake up. Yeah, sorry. He shouts at him, doesn't he? Don't give him a slap. Yeah. You're right. Maybe that's just me expecting the doctor to want to give him a slap. Um, so the shuttle's logged the whole sector, and Janeway's excited about the possibilities. Like, let's get it to stellar cartography. So, like you said, this is all going really, really good. And yeah, then. It's like, like, I was thinking here, like, Right, at this point, they've got the shuttles warped in, and obviously the the main objective is to get home. So they're obviously going to have to plot somewhere through the shuttle from stellar cartography, so that makes sense, get everything, so they can plot a route home. But they're going to have to send people in little batches on the shuttle. Yeah, if it's only the shuttle can do that. You can't change Voyager because you'd have to rebuild all the bloody hull. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's it. true. Yeah, they'll have to do it a bit at a time, yeah. Um, say, like, to be fair, if you're infinite speed, six at a time, it's not going to take that no, long it's not to get everyone home. A couple of days, well, even less, a couple of hours. There's a hundred and something. Lots. Yeah, easy. Um, So then, yeah, this is when it all starts going wrong. So Tom's sipping his coffee and it tastes funny. And then he, he keels well, that, over. That isn't going wrong, actually, because that's quite normal, because Neelix has invented it as a new flavor. True, talk. true. And, and they're having quite a sensible talk about, right, what's the next step? Well, we should rep- repeat the flight exactly the same to check it wasn't a flu, that we can do this again. And that makes perfect sense. Yeah. But then he goes all thin. Now we start going downhill. Yeah. <laughs> and we get the first weird diagnosis from the doctor. He's allergic to water. Yeah, so. that's called rabies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair enough. I'm not a doctor and I know that. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, maybe he's turning into one of them aliens out of... Signs, the M. Night Shyamalan films, who can't stand water, you never know. But yeah, it could be rabies, you're right. I don't know why the doctor didn't zoom in on that. But it looks like he's turning into a fish. And he gets all... Well, he shouldn't be allergic to water. Well, that's what I thought. I thought that why... If he's turning into an aquatic animal, if anything, he'd like water. Yeah. But instead, they have to like put him in a 
force field and change the atmosphere and all this so he can breathe and everything and it it's kind of, they do almost a tribute to the fly the Jeff Goldblum film you know he starts like pondering about how he feels so sorry for himself then his tongue drops out and it's yeah like you have this weird thing though where where he's gonna where he's about to die and the doctor shouts computer prepare the cortical stimulator and guess and then waits a few seconds and guess goes ready <laughs> yeah since when was the computer <laughs> oh that's a good point yeah I don't know. I mean, there's some weird stuff going on. Like, with... like was it just to give her a couple of lines in the episode? Probably, yeah. I mean, the, like, just random dialogue. He screams out, pepperoni, I want a pepperoni pizza. Uh, which, fair enough. You know, I often want a pepperoni pizza, but, you know. I am having pepperoni pizza for tea today. Oh, good man. And then he, he asked Kez to kiss him. And the doctor says she can't breathe the atmosphere in there. Like, that's your problem with that request. Do you not think it's inappropriate that he's hitting on the nurses? You know, are you saying if she could <laughs> breathe it, the doctor would have been like, right, kids, give him a kiss, okay. you know? Well, his last request. <laughs> yeah, that's, you've got to do it. That's part of the job. And anyway, so Tom dies. And this is where the episode could have got really good if we'd have seen Tom's quest to escape from the Dark Mountain. But yeah. Instead, he just comes back. He's obviously defeated all the armies and escaped it and everything. And he's now a Time Lord as well because he's got a second heart. Yeah. So he's got a second heart and he's allergic to water, which are obviously all traits of a giant salamander. (laughs) And... Then we get a little bit of the the ongoing subplot about the Kazon traitor guy. And the Kazon go, oh, well, warp 10's impossible. Like, well, the Kazon can't even do warp 8. So, you know, uh, but the way he says it is as if, oh, as if he's going to be able to do warp 10. Like, well, you can't even do warp 8, mate. So don't be slagging off, you know, someone who's doing better than you are. The Kazon aren't technologically advanced. The Kazon are scavengers. Exactly, yeah. All, their techno- all the technology <laughs> they have is stolen. Yeah. So, the, having this Kazon go, oh, well, you know, what tends theoretically impossible? Like, you haven't got a clue. You probably know even less about it than Neelix does. Never mind. Um, and then they come up very briefly with an idea. Well, what we'll do is we'll stick Tom in the warp car. That'll do something and it's for the anti-photons that's it explain it he goes i've worked out a treatment and he needs a course of anti-photons to um reverse the the changes to his dna okay yeah well the only place and blana goes the only place we've got anti-photons is in the warp car i mean yes it, (laughs) it don't it doesn't go anywhere Fair enough. I mean, it had been quite funny having well, Tom as a fish floating in the warp car, but... Well, I'm <laughs> assuming that it does, because they do get better at the end, but we just... And he says that ah, yeah. the amount of antiprotons they give them. Yeah, you're right. Maybe we didn't... So yeah. It's obviously... So, I think he has put them in the warp car. Yeah, 
You're right. So they should make a lava lamp that looks like the warp core and you get a little salamander in it. A couple, a couple of little... Yeah. Two, two big and three little salamanders. Yeah, they just float around. Well, not, not the little ones because we just abandoned them. Which, yeah, let's get to the end then. So it's... I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, three days later, they find the shuttle. And well, we do have where we have... We do have where Janeway goes to try and talk to him. Oh, yeah, sorry. And he gets aggressive and stuff. And this is that's where his tongue falls out and he yeah. thinks it's funny. And then, like, we have the Janeway abduction. Like, don't this remind you of every creature feature from the 50s oh, and all of them? Yeah, very the much so. abducts the woman and... Definitely. And I was thinking about this and, like, all these creature features, it's bestiality, but from their point of view, it's like, King Kong, why is a giant gorilla attracted to a woman? Especially a woman that's that small. Like, yeah. It, yeah, don't make sense. Um, and like the creature from the Black Lagoon, why? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 makes, it doesn't make a lot of sense, it but doesn't. it's always part of the creature feature where... This oh the yeah, woman. it's it's the cliche, isn't it? And we do get that. And if we're being kind to this episode, we could say they're obviously trying to channel a lot of different horror things. Like we've had an homage to the fly, and now we're doing creature features. So maybe, maybe that's what they're doing. Who knows? Well, like we say, this episode started so strong, and it's it's like it's. It's forgotten where it started. It's yeah. It just gets. It, it, it totally loses its way at about, like you say, seventeen minutes. A third of the way through, it completely loses its. That's way. it, and it becomes something different. If you describe this to people, like anyone, if anyone's listening to this podcast and they've not seen this episode, they'll think we're taking the piss. Like they'll think there is no way this happened in an episode of Star Trek, but it all did. <laughs> <coughs> And so they get to the planet and Tom and Janeway have turned into these big salamander things. Chicote just stuns them with the phaser immediately. Like, yeah. well, hang on. What gets me is that they've gone to Warp 10, so they could be anywhere. And yet they catch up with them within three days. Yeah, it was lucky that, really. I mean, out of any, anywhere in the universe, not just the galaxy, anywhere in the universe they could have been. It's lucky that they they only went oh, there. Three days away. <laughs> but anyway, the Chicote just stuns them. Like, so you're not going to try and talk to them, Chicote, or anything? You know, I know the salamanders, but for all we know, they can still speak and they can still communicate, but Chicote is like, having none like, of it. It's, it's explained that. That the super evolved, they've evolved millions of years. Well, this is the other thing, like that they've got, like they're saying that surplus organs have stopped working. Which, okay, we don't use our appendix anymore, so we can see that because we don't live on grass anymore. Yeah, and there's actually proof that we all lose in our little toes. Yeah, I was going to say that. If you look at skeletons from a couple of hundred years ago, little toes are a lot bigger. Yeah, we're facing it out, generally. Because we wear shoes how they are, we don't need the little toe to balance anymore. So we're losing our little toes. So there is is proof of 
the evolution that we lose things. But that you turn into a salamander. Yeah, like you know, you like like the queue must be going. Oh, phew! And we were worried that they were going to evolve to be a match for us. Thank fuck for that. They're just going to be yeah, salamanders. They're turning into salamanders. <laughs> like, like we've all seen that evolution thing where it starts off as a monkey and it goes up and up and up till you get to a man. Uh, but then salamander after that, you know. Uh, yeah. And no idea. It makes but, no sense. Like, that was the whole thing through TNG with the Q. And I'm assuming going to be continue and continuing to an extent in Voyager without the Q already by this point, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or if um, not, quite soon, yeah. It's around this time. Soon. But a lot of the thing with the Q is that um, mankind, humanity, that we, we have the potential to evolve the same as them, mm-hmm. become this enlightened species. But we actually seen here, no, we don't just become salamanders. Well, maybe the salamanders, like, a stepping stone to the evolved species, like... Right. You've got to go through salamander first, and then you make it. I mean, it's just utter nonsense. I mean, they'd have been better saying something like, um, like that uh, Genesis, the TNG episode, and going, oh, it's, it, doing what tends reactivated the junk DNA, or you know, something like that. At least that's plausible. But I mean, this is ludicrous. But then, I'll make them look like Felosians with massive brain. Heads. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the salamander babies then. So they go, oh, Chakotay decided to leave them on the planet. First of all... Now, this is interesting. They've only been there three days. Yeah, so Janeway's... It's that time to give birth to three in that Well, we, we assume it's Janeway that's given birth. We don't know the biology. It might be possible that okay. Tom's the one who... Or maybe they laid eggs or who knows. But yeah, three days well, isn't a long so time. That the, within three days they've got young... And like, like already, mankind as a species, our babies, our young ones, are really slow at how the uh, before they reach maturity compared to most of the animal. Exactly, kingdom. that's what I was going to say. Like, is it safe to leave three little babies, take the parents away, and just leave them on a planet? Apart from yeah. the ethics of it, like, you know, you are abandoning their children and they just brush it away with a, uh, a captain's log like Chakotay's decided to leave them on the planet and I agree with him. Really? That's it? Yeah, like, like if you put them in the war pensions, wouldn't they just turn into babies? The same as... Yeah, exactly. Harris would come, come back to normal. You'd think so, but who knows? Who knows? And... Can they survive without the parents? Uh, you know, are they still yeah. suckling? I mean, we don't know if they suckle, but most animals, even though, you know, humans are pretty much the worst in terms of independence. Like, we need looking after for a long time. Yeah. But even other animals, they, the parents still care for the young for longer than three days before you leave them. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it seems quite harsh from Jacoby. It does, but he's maybe it's he feels a bit threatened by Paris. Like he's like, oh, I don't want Janeway being connected to Tom by having these babies. <laughs> She's mine. I'm gonna wait till we get marooned on a planet together and forget the salamanders. We'll have a little monkey. It is. It's just 
It's crazy. It's just bizarre. It's like, absolutely it's crazy. Like, not only have they turned into salamanders, but they've mated and got young within three days. <laughs> and Janeway makes this joke like, oh, how do you know it wasn't me that initiated it, Mr. Barres? <laughs> <laughs> And Tom says he's learnt a lesson from all, all of this, which I'm glad Tom has, because none of the rest of us have learnt anything from this. And his lesson he's learned, is... He's learnt, that, he's learnt not to be a salamander. Not to be, and not worry what other people think. How did you get that lesson from this, Tom? <laughs> like... Oh, dear. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's an absolute yeah, belter. It's isn't it? Mess. <laughs> it is an utter utter mess. Like you said, that that first twenty minutes or so, we could have done something really interesting. Yeah. Like yeah, what? It, it is. It's one of those that I remember the first time watching this. And oh wow, what tenant? Yeah. Where's this going? And this is off to be somewhere else. And it was, it was a really good episode, and then it was like, what happened? Yeah, salamanders. <laughs> um, babies, Janeway's babies. Yeah. Uh, it's just, anyway. So that's Threshold. That That's one we can cross <laughs> off the list. The, the Threshold, Fairhaven... The fight, Spock's brain, those are the the notorious ones. So at least we've covered one of them now. Next week, as we said at the top of the hour, we're going to be looking at the latest episode of Lower Decks and we're also going to be looking at whatever news we get from Star Trek Day, which we're hoping is going we're to be hoping a lot. We'll be looking at the trailer for Strange New Worlds. Fingers crossed. Um, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, you can fire us a comment like Real Weird Art just did while we're doing our live broadcasts. Um, if not, you can contact us um, on Twitter at RetrekPod. You can email us RetrekPod at gmail.com or you can just come and join us on the Facebook group and let us know either what you think of these episodes or yeah. anything Star Trek related. And don't forget on the Facebook group, we do have the opening title sequence for Prodigy. Yep. We tend so to... Go, get, go check that out. We tend to put any news we find on there and if you want to add anything that we've missed, feel free. Um, so thanks for trekking with us this time and we'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.